Hello and welcome to another episode. I've lost track of how many we've done now. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, of History Biscuits. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, this week we have taken a request, Yeah. which is slightly different. Um, so we're going to do Ford and Carter. Yes, our favourites. Favourites. I wonder why it's being requested, because it's quite um, difficult difficult um i think some students don't like the fact that um, the way the textbook does it is it's a synoptic overview of the two um presidents they don't they're not looked at separately and i think that's mainly because ford is a president for such a short space of time really and he's rubbish yeah and he's a bit rubbish Mm. um and i think it's also at the stage of the year where your brain is a bit fried as well so you can't take in anymore no more so they just bombard you with ford and carter but there will definitely be a question on it, so you do need to know it, exactly. and you cannot skip a revision on it. No. So, as usual, what we're going to do is a bit of an overview of the um, content. Again, do not use just this podcast as your revision. Yeah, please don't. you definitely need more info than what we're going to go over. We're just going to give you some of the key... Um, snippets of information snippets of and then we'll just get into an argument later so that's yeah probably, as always as always well what we'll actually do is a question that we've had to come up with ourselves yeah because there are very few Ford and Carter questions that we could really do even though it's come up a lot yeah so hopefully the question will be admired <laughs> admired <laughs> probably not the right word probably not the right word at all right so uh, let's get going then. So Ford and Carter, we kind of decided that we'd take it from scratch and kind of go through kind of key details to begin with. So should we start with who exactly is Gerald Ford? How would you describe Gerald Ford? A fool. Yeah. Uh, not known for being an intellectual. No. If you can't, what can he not do at the same he time? He can't chew gum and fart. No. Exactly. At the same time, which I. I I don't want to know the details, but I think the idea being he is not the smartest individual. If you remember, Nixon picks him as VP um, because he thinks that they will never get rid of Nixon if Gerald Ford is the other option. Yeah, and I think whilst they say that about Ford, he also says that about Spiro Agnew, who's just a horrible racist man, and he also has to leave during Watergate. So he just picks another rubbish VP that's pretty much Nixon's um, go-to. But I think we have to look at his strengths, Mm. and he's also um, considered an honest and open guy, um, and he was known for being a, a really good American football player for university. I don't know anything about sports, so I don't really know what that just means. Just a good sportsman. But he does fall over a lot, which keeps me entertained. And some people think that's because of the fact he was an American football player. I just think in he's the quite so clumsy. Much. And then you get Saturday Night Live, start taking the mickey out of him, and leads to kind of mainstream kind of... What is Bullying? It? Yeah, we'll call it ribbing. Yes, let's see that. Yeah, but he does fall over a lot, which but shouldn't did, be entertaining. He did have to avoid it. it. He nearly got assassinated, so it's fair enough. That, that he isn't as funny. No, it's not. Mm. But he, that's why he says that he falls a lot, because he's actually just ducking. But I don't think that's the I case. I don't think that's true. Have no. you seen the one off the plane? That that's why quite I good. fall over a lot. What, a ducking assassination? Yes. Just people jumping There's out. a lot of people out there. Well, I, I think... Just well, I don't there. want it. <laughs> just a lot of people out there who could. Um... Obviously, Ford takes over. The most important thing about him is he takes over after Nixon and after the impact that is Watergate. Um, And the biggest thing he does and the stupidest thing he does is pardon Nixon. And he does that fairly early on. So 8th of September, 1974, he pardons Nixon. So it's just about a month 
um, after he first gets um, sworn in as yeah. president. So Now tell us, why is that a stupid choice? That's a nice thing to do to pardon Nixon. So why is it a stupid thing that, Car- uh, that Ford does it? Because it looks like he is being... Um, what's the word? Corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Use the words today. Yeah, I've forgotten all the words. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like there's a dodgy deal that's gone on. Um, first thing that Ford does, well, it's the argument, is that he pardons Nixon when everyone wants this criminal proceedings to go ahead. And it's something that 70-odd percent of the American public want um, impeachment to go down the route and for him to be brought on trial and to be publicly ashamed and when he's pardoned everyone goes oh he must have had a deal there must be a dodgy deal somewhere I like the idea we were publicly ashamed rather than publicly shamed but I, I digress you also don't have the words today so no. do not I will fight you if I have to um, with us not do that um, yeah and also got assassination so um, yeah it also kind of would suggest that perhaps Maybe some people might think that perhaps Nixon was innocent then by by pardoning him. Yeah. Does it does it mean that um, that's kind of what Ford thinks, or also that it's an acceptable behaviour of a president? Like you're going to pardon them at the end of it. Anyone can do it because you're just going to get a pardon anyway. Yeah, and Ford's got good reasons for pardoning Nixon in the fact of the practical side to it of how do you put him on trial and what kind of prison would hold Nixon and these kind of things. Sets a precedent for future presidents to therefore be impeached more regularly yeah it does but everyone goes back to must have been a dodgy deal so regardless of all the Mm. practical reasons for doing it he's always associated with well actually he only did it because it was a backhander yeah um so then we've got a lovely carter oh lovely carter little jimmy carter peanut farmer that's right baptist never tells a lie yeah southerner wears good flares well everyone does in the 70s yeah but he walks through fields in flares and people like that and they go do that every Saturday well again why you've got assassination attempts on your life true mm. anyway so Southerner Baptist um, you've written down in your notes that he's interviewed by Playboy why is that important you told me to write it down true basically he was the first president ever and it's quite nice because nice ba- in Playboy because he- I haven't finished because he is a Baptist <laughs> to go on Playboy to then go on Playboy, it's like you know he's so accepting of everybody, despite the fact he is very devout. I, like I would it. go more along the lines of it shows how mainstream he is. And that, well oh, done. Um, so we've got the idea of wanted to heal, wanted to bring things together, wanted to unite America after all the dodginess of Watergate. Yeah, and students like him to begin with. Our students. Our students. Right. Yeah. No, not students in America at the time. I imagine they kind of liked it. At first, they had a lot riding on him. They thought that maybe, mm. you know, this is it. He's going to solve all these problems because he's um, advocating this much more open and honest um, administration. Uh, but, you know, they fought the first uh, hurdle. Ah, but they uh. fought the first hurdle there. Um, and he also has a very uncooperative Congress because of this attitude that he's got about being much more open. Um, the nature of politics at that time and the people that he's got in his Congress don't really like this idea um, and that make his life very difficult in terms of trying to pass anything. Yeah, you've got with both Ford and Carter that they're both dealing with completely different situation than any of our presidents have faced before whereby the impact of Watergate is that everyone's corrupt, everyone's up to no good and they don't really help the situation. Even even Carter with his sweet ways can't fix the problem. No. So what are Ford's um, examples of corruption? Uh, well, primarily uh, the pardoning of Nixon is one of the major problems that 
that Ford has because it just looks dodgy as anything. Um, added to this, the fact that he keeps on a lot of Nixon's people. Like who? So you've got Alex Haig, who um, becomes head of NATO. And you have uh, Rumsfeld, Roy Ash, Kenneth Cole. These are all people that you probably need to look up if you can't remember who they are. Um, and then you've also got um, Rockefeller becomes his VP, um, which is looks corrupt because he's incredibly rich. So again, looks like he's being paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, and But also the fact that he's quite a moderate Republican. So that causes problems within his own party because they don't really like these moderate ideas and the fact that he's a VP. Um, so that caused more problems as well. And then you've got... Um, this kind of corruption is then seen in uh, a Congress that he can't get anything passed. Um, you've got 291 to 144 in the House of Representatives. So 291 are... Democrats. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you've also got 61 to 39... In the Senate. In the Senate. Yeah. So that so, kind of dodginess and the idea of people not really liking the system is then reflected in Congress. Yeah, so they're voting not for Republicans. And that's in the midterm elections, isn't it? Yeah, so that's, that's throughout Ford's yeah. um, time that he's president. Um, and then he's accused of probably giving favours to people that he... Um, yeah, plays golf with plays golf and stuff with. like this as well. And then there's that Dean said that Ford tried to stop the investigations of Watergate. Yeah, and that again suggests this dodginess of not only with the pardon, but he also tries to stop, I think, CIA like investigating it or taking it even further, which again makes people think he obviously had a part to play if he's going to try and cover it up in any way. Yeah, and then you've got Bob Dole as well, who's part of the Republican Party, who's accused of illegal corporate contributions to the 73 election campaign. Mm. So, and then on the flip side, she might think, oh, well, Carter wouldn't do that, lovely Carter. But no, we have corruption issues as well within well, Carter's. Carter, instance. who is lovely, doesn't really do much, but his, his brother does. And you get Billy Gate, not Billy Goat, Billy Gate. Nice. Thank you. Just don't write Billy Goat. Yeah, please. Um, uh, so Billy is his brother. He lives in a petrol station. Yeah. Do I remember that right? Yeah. Um, bit of I don't a beer know. bellied redneck. No, that's a rude way of phrasing it. That's how he's just, phrased. It's in the textbook. It says that, but I'm not sure that's appropriate. We don't need to worry about PC. That's just well, how I need to remember is how short. he is considered. Um, Billy is very. How do we phrase this? I think I've phrased it quite well. I think you've kind of phrased it offensively, but all right. Uh, um. That's how they say he is. (laughs) Good. You're really sticking with that one. Uh, He takes bribes, would be the word for it, but money from the Libyans. uh, It's £220,000 loan. Dollars. Well, dollars, pounds. It's one of all the same thing. Either way, he gets money from the Libyans just as a gift. Um, Because he's um, skint after becoming sober and he needs some money. But books out so Libyans they're happy to the Libyans are quite happy to give him the money because yeah, that's not dodgy de- in any way is bit it bit destabilising for the Carter administration mm-hmm. they do come out of it and say well actually Carter's got nothing to do with it whilst he's his family member it, it, he didn't have anything to do with it although he then goes back and says oh um, during the hostage crisis do they only know anyone that can help me out he says that to the Libyan government because of that money which Ooh. was very unwise because yeah. they could just go no and make yeah. him look rubbish true but $220,000 is quite nice. Certainly is. For not doing anything. No. That's, that's pretty good. Just for being a beer-bellied redneck. Stop it. Then you've got 30 congressmen are accused of accepting bribes during the time of Carter as well. Um, for From South Korea, um, apparently to do with um, trying to reverse Nixon's um, legislation to take out 
soldiers that are still based in South Korea. They want to reverse it. Um, and Richard Hanno actually does serve a prison sentence for it. Yeah, and again, even though that's not Carter, it is happening under his watch, so therefore he's credited with it. Isn't it also one of his secretaries is suggested that he's on cocaine? Yeah, one so of the young press guys. press secretary. Something like that, yeah. Um, and even though this guy comes forward and says, I'm not on drugs, I'm not doing this, it still taints the presidency of Carter, that he kind of looks like he's lost control. There's also Bert Lance, um, who is the uh, subject of a investigation called Carter's Broken Lance where they investigate some really dodgy banking practices he does actually get um, acquitted and comes out of it as innocent but because it's part of Carter's um, administration it really really taints it and people just think well that's it everyone's corrupt I don't have any faith at all in government and get very very disillusioned for those people listening you've just missed a wonderful hand motion <laughs> yeah I threw my hands up in the air it's just pure despair like I didn't care no 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 okay no um moving forward then <laughs> so kind of we talked about the corruption and things like this as well what you have got with carter is he is a representation of the high expectations that he is a change from the system to begin with um you know people vote for him because he doesn't represent the kind of corruption of washington and they like the idea that he's a peanut farmer who's not going to lie to them in any way yeah exactly but those expectations are short-lived and if you look at their social economic um, record, it's pretty rubbish. Yeah, so if we look at one of the major developments uh, socially would be the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, which was what? So that was an attempt to change the constitution, make an amendment um, on the basis of sex. And it had massive amount of support in 73. So this is under yeah. Nixon. Um, but when it came to trying to ratify it, they just couldn't get enough of the states to agree. Yeah, so before it can be changed in the constitution, all the states, what's 38 of the states third. have to yeah. uh, agree to it. And by the time of 73, it had support of around about 35 of them. Um, and, you know, certain people came forward for it. So Betty Ford said that this is a really good idea. Um, That's Ford's wife, just to clarify. Just to clarify, not just a random lady called yeah. Betty Ford. Um, so the idea being that a lot of people supported the Equal Rights Amendment and said this was great, this was forward thinking, but it also led to a lot of backlash. Um, if you remember, this is also just after Roe versus Wade is being passed, which changed abortion rights. So a lot of people were terrified that this was going to radically change American society. Yeah, and it's off the back of um, the idea of Nixon's presidency seems to revitalise the social conservative ideals and policies. So ERA, I guess it makes sense that they're just can't quite get that two-thirds because of the shift to more conservative values um so the era continues to try and be um implemented the deadline keeps changing from 79 and up to 82 yeah like yeah. Brexit. um and it, it just never gets um put in place and it still hasn't been put in place mm. so there's again just whilst those expectations were high very little really happens under ford or carter Although you could argue Carter does do some things. Yeah, he hires more women in his cabinet. He, he hires them. the most women, apparently, oh. of any president before him. So that's a good little um, That is a good snippet of information there as well. Um, but what you get with both is for the ERA, both of them don't explicitly say they're for or against it. And with delaying it again and again, more people come out of the woodwork to, to challenge it. So someone like Phyllis Schlafly, 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 
uh, it's fun to say, um, she basically kicks off and says that this will change American society for the worse. Uh, and this is also seen in other groups such as Concerned Women of America, who are created in 79. That's called CWA, Concerned Women for America. Okay, that's fine. They're created in 79 as a direct response of where they think gender roles are going during this time as well. There's this real concern that the family dynamic will fall apart. Yeah, um, they're essentially housewives, really. Um, a lot they, of them They are. think that women should be doing that, should just be at home. Yeah, and children. they tend to be quite religious individuals as well. Shaffley. Schlafly, uh, is Schlafly. Schlafly, I can't say it, um, is very devoutly Catholic and that then ties into the pro-life, pro-choice abortion debate. And the emergence of a religious right, I guess, by the time yeah. Reagan gets elected. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then you've got also, by the time um, Reagan's election's happening, that many like liberal nominees or possible uh, people who might be running just keep getting defeated george mcgovern being an example yeah. of that so really showing how um solidified america is mm-hmm. in terms of the conservative um mm-hmm. social values uh, from women's rights we can then move on to things like poverty of uh, the idea again there were high expectations that ford and carter would do something to resolve the problems with poverty um ford doesn't do a huge amount he has no real ideas or impact on poverty or welfare he just likes the idea of self-sufficiency yeah so that's his argument of not going around and doing anything is because he's like well you should sort yourself out you're poor because you haven't worked hard enough yeah um which means that the situation gets a lot worse especially with the recessions um below 73 to 75 indeed come on yeah so you've got a poverty line um, of 11.2% uh, are in the poverty line or below obviously and um, it increases up to 12.5% by 74 mm. um, and you know that with Nixon um, it just gets worse with his economic strategies that don't really work so with Ford coming in and not really doing anything to help and then also Carter would like to um, but again he's fiscally conservative he doesn't really want to spend any money no. but then he's also got taxpayers who don't want to pay anything either so he's stuck yeah and when there's no real popular support for your programs the last thing you want to do is increase taxes because it's just going to lead to more criticism on you um but that's made worse with things like unemployment under ford gets to 8.9 percent yeah um and you've got even more people under food stamps with carter um it's uh, 18.5 million in 76 and then it gets up to 20 million by 1980 yeah and that kind of highlights how bad the situation is getting but also how no one is doing anything about it so white flight we learned that under eisenhower yeah. and it's still going on and it's me- meaning that inner cities again still deteriorating and again it's impacting on the elderly population um yeah so you- a growing old population and they need a lot more money federally and he can't really afford it because he's trying to balance the budget he's really committed to doing that um but then you've also got he has allocated four billion dollars to public mm. works programs in 77 but that again they don't really make yeah, any he doesn't, and he doesn't want to spend the money for it he wants a balanced budget so this allocated money isn't really spent um or you get these ideas of he wants to change housing so these big projects are knocked down but no housing is put in place which then impacts on the homelessness crisis that takes place by 1980 where you've got one million homelessness yeah homeless people and there's lack of funding as, as well that's been cut for mental health so you've got people who are very ill also being made homeless um and and that also means there's an increase of unemployment as well yeah 
Yeah, and another statistic that would also kind of link into progress for African Americans is that um, 50% of all houses with um, a black female head of household would be below the poverty line. So that would suggest that it's disproportionately towards um, African Americans Mm. um, in terms of the poor economic standing. And then looking at progress made for African Americans underneath um, Ford and Carter, you can say that there's certainly been progress made, I yeah. think, by the time that... If, you, if you're comparing it to the beginning of the unit, 1945, yeah. but in terms of under them, there's not that much. No, and any change that is taking place is disproportionate. Yeah. In fact, there's still this inequality between African-Americans and white people. Yeah, equality um, has not been achieved, but no. progress has been made. Exactly. So it's one of those ideas of, yes, the progress is there, but the extent of that change is is limited limited to say the least um under ford obviously one of the major issues he's got is busing yeah dealing with the busing crisis um nixon is trying to make it as well tried to make it quite difficult for busing to continue that was something that happened under johnson and then it deteriorates um quite a bit towards the end of nixon's presidency and then um escalates a bit more yeah, and you've got by June 1974, you've got the case study of the Boston crisis, um, whereby it, you know the violence, the aggressiveness towards the busing system in Boston itself highlights how backwards the situation is. Um, you know, very televised, very public way of dealing with it, and I think often a lot of people are shocked that it's Boston, a northern city where this that violent response to busing takes place and de facto segregation is very much still very much still you've got the group restore our alienated rights or raw um as they're also known as are the ones who are particularly against um these these the busing that's happening um and one of the things that's interesting is the fact that actually boston rules um this ruling of trying to maintain segregated schools as unconstitutional and ford outspokenly says that he doesn't agree with that ruling um, which is obviously a problem and is also limiting any progress then that could be made in the North, yeah. uh, especially in Boston. And he also does that thing of when things start to get really violent that he goes on TV and says, I've seen it on TV and it looks pretty bad. And everyone's like, but that's not a response to the yeah. crisis that's taking place. It's, it kind of almost lets it be just a, a state matter, not yeah. a federal matter. When actually something like that needs to be a federal decision. It needs to be a showcase of what the president is willing to do. Yeah, but despite that, you've still got the fact that in the South, you've got that um, great statistic that by um, 1980 in the South, f- compared to 68% of schools being um, Se- segregated, yeah. it's now 8%. So, yeah, and, yes, and, it's not zero, but it's certainly a big And change. it is, and I suppose we could criticise it and say, well, technically schools were meant to be desegregated after Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954, but you have to kind of agree that 68% to 8% is an achievement. It's just not where it needs to be, which yeah, is what it's we still said not equal. Um, under Carter, uh, we've got the focus of affirmative action. Uh, again carrying forward what was taking place during nixon johnson it's not necessarily something he's created but we do see a little bit more affirmative action during his presidency and it's a bit more progress again yeah so he um kind of makes more african-americans federal judges 38 uh he makes andrew young the u.s ambassador for un for the un uh he stabilizes voting rights laws uh he appoints a, an african-american secretary of urban housing and development which says a lot as well because that's one of the biggest areas de facto um, 
segregation is still prevalent so that would suggest that perhaps something would happen with yeah that. but then you've also got this balance of there is still you know by 1980 people who are deemed as a black underclass um, and you've got this statistic that life expectancy has improved so 63 in 1950 for african americans and by 1980 it's up to 68 however white life expectancy in 1980 is 74 yeah so um at the same time when they were 63 it was 70 um, mm. for white people so even by 1980 they still haven't made that progress they're still not on a par with where white people were yeah and even though there ago. are gains it's it's kind of marginal gains to yeah. an extent as well um you've got african americans make up one third uh, our middle class yeah by 1980 yeah um so yeah so again, like we've said, it is fairly straightforward um, in terms of revising the African-American um, change and progress. It's just making sure you acknowledge that equality has not been achieved. Yeah. Um, so I think we can probably move on to a question. We'll look at foreign policy, I think, in a separate podcast because it's getting quite long now, yeah. isn't it? Um, and there's so much to look at. Understand now why you want to look at it more in detail. Um, so the question that we came up with was we've invented this by the way yeah because we're struggling to find anything that's relevant but i think it would be something along the lines of um ford and carter did little to prevent the decline of national self-confidence within their domestic policy yeah so we can use a lot of the things that we've talked about exactly so we're not going to go over them again because we've already spoken about them but we will try and help you develop your argument for this question of they did little to prevent the decline of national self-confidence within their domestic policy um, so straight away, you're going to be talking about kind of in your introduction, you're going to tear that question apart as always, and then you're going to talk about, well, what was the decline of self-confidence? So you'll be talking about the legacy of Watergate. Yeah, the disillusionment that's come following that um, in relation to um, the Republican Party, in relation to government and the presidency itself, um, and how that's had a knock-on effect in the terms of the American reputation on an international scale. Um and the fact that their economy is waning, everything just seems to be really at a slump at this yeah, stage. Yeah, and I think make sure in that introduction you are talking about why national self-confidence would be an issue at the time of both Ford and Carter. Yeah, and you might want to bring in um, this statistic about there being a low voter turnout pretty much for this mm. entire period, that at stages there is um, 50% of the electorate actually taking part in um, the election. So it really shows that people just don't have don't. anything to vote for don't yeah have any satisfaction they're so frustrated them. with the system that they don't see it as a system that represents them so you could talk about the fact that carter wins by 49.9 percent to ford's 47.9 percent. so there's a real apathy and as far as Ooh. the electorate are concerned they don't really see much difference between the two no um so if we looked at a political and then like a social economic yeah. theme i think um, so whilst Acrave said they like it when you straight away acknowledge that you agree with the question, I think really you're going to end up saying that ultimately in your evaluation. So I think it would be better to start off with how you can argue that you know, there were attempts at trying to prevent the decline of national self-confidence. So your first starting point in this paragraph would be that um, there was an air of opti- optimism with the election of Ford and Carter in terms of trying to prevent the decline of national self-confidence because they're both elected, well, well, Carter's elected and Ford is kind of lauded as being this nice, open, honest guy and Carter's also elected very much off a 
separate from Washington yeah. and a very nice guy with his um, devout religion um, his peanut farmer background um, family guy uh, perspective yeah regular Joes for both of them I think is, is a big part of that however but then you'd have to say but that is kind of quickly diminished by the fact that they both have links to corruption even though they're not necessarily tied into it um, that strictly especially Carter um, it's easy for the media to take advantage of these um, rumours and um, corruption links yeah and then you've got this idea of well tie that back to the question of they did little to prevent the decline of national self-confidence with their domestic policies of even though they are not kind of behaving in the same scale or the same way as, as Nixon they are still associated with it which tarnishes their regimes. Yeah, their political standing um, and their uh, statesmanship almost um, is just continues to look quite rubbish in comparison to Nixon. So even though it's not as bad, people just still perceive it to be, well, it's just another corrupt politician. Yeah. So you can talk about those things that we said before. So um, Billy Gate. Billy Gate, those rumours of Ford giving favours to people he plays golf with, the pardon, for example. Yeah. And this lack of leadership is also then seen um, when it comes to social policies. And their lack of leadership then impacts directly on national self-confidence because it's seen that they're being quite inactive. Yeah. Um, there's really serious problems on a social level that we've talked about in terms of poverty. Yeah. Um, the lack of progress that really is happening for women and African-Americans has become a bit stagnant. Yeah. Um, so, for example, with the ERA happening, and Betty Ford actually being probably more outspoken than her own husband... Um, and um, you know the busing or lack of response to the busing crisis for both Ford and Carter leads to a lot of people thinking well these people don't represent they don't know what's going on and they don't care those minorities who maybe felt like they were maybe listened to a bit more don't really feel like that now so that national self-confidence is is beginning and continuing to wane I guess Um, but then you can counter it to say but that is perhaps more that their lack of leadership and progress is because they are affronted by this increase of social conservative values. Yeah. So they're not going to be the people that they are working for, the electorate, are not going to want much change. So that's why they can't really do much and can't really be outspoken because they're going to be voting for them at the end of the day. Yeah, and the situation is too difficult to be able to to have a position on it. Um even though I'm not a massive fan of Ford and Carter I do think they're in a difficult position in regards to they can't please please all the sides at the same time Um, and that national self-confidence the decline of it you could argue is already in decline when both of them take power yeah they've got a really big task on their hand taking over from um, Nixon and having just ruined the reputation Mm. of the presidency and government so yeah they might want to make this progress but they're also it's in the face of um, this electorate that just don't really want massive amounts of change and they want to keep their positions. And exactly, and you can bring in some of the groups we've already spoken about, whether it's Concerned Women of America, uh, Raw, uh, kind of, there are a lot of groups who are socially conservative at that time and it seems to have been really revived. Yeah, and, and I guess you could also talk about the fact that, well, Carter does actually make some progress um, with the affirmative action, like the, what we were talking about before in, in some judges, of those appointments. Yeah. Um, but again, you're probably still going to land at the end of this paragraph to say, yes, he has made some progress, but it's still not enough. And yeah. it's because of who his electorate are as well. Yeah. Um, and I guess lack of leadership too. Yeah. Uh, then we'd move on to the economy. 
yeah. of the idea of taking that again of lack of leadership that's then directly seen with the um, issues with the economy for both Ford and Carter with, go on. I was going to say that is again the idea of national self-confidence is really really poor at this stage again because of things that Nixon has yeah. done and um, their lack of leadership of trying to resolve such a terrible economic position and that one of the things that Carter does is to uh, make his malaise speech um, the crisis of confidence which to an extent you know depending on where you're going to start whether you're going to say that would suggest a lack of leadership um, it does have a very positive response um, initially initially he has an 11% increase in his um, ratings but because of what follows his actions don't really back up what he's saying he mm. looks like a mess by firing a load of people in his cabinet yeah but if this question is asking you that they did little to prevent it you have to bring in the malaise as his idea of trying to rally the troops type situation isn't it that he's trying desperately to encourage people of look the economy can be fixed and then he fires his cabinet so whilst initially it looks like he does have leadership is it's just words it's not actions exactly um so you could talk about again the economy is on the disagree side not necessarily their fault it's something they've inherited and carter does try and make an effort and does um try to help this image of national self-confidence by addressing it and and he does have an increase of um his reputation however it's it's just words at this stage he can't back it up yeah so again um you can agree to an extent that they haven't done enough to help um stop that decline of national self-confidence yeah so in terms of our conclusion for this question where do you think we'd land i would definitely say agree yeah good um and I think you would have to say that whilst most of the problems um, were inherited and beyond um, their control, it was still down to a lack of leadership and experience. And that also, almost that the nice qualities that they yeah. had and they were elected for, off the back of were actually a fault and a flaw. Yeah, and then they're seen as the biggest weakness yeah. of them is the fact that they, they were these nice guys who didn't take control of a situation and just allowed it to wash over them. That you needed a little bit of... Um, hard face and hard boldness boldness badassery no never say that again <laughs> um, oh dear. to be able to fix those problems to be a bit more yeah. hardline because Carter like you could even argue when we start to look at foreign policy he, he's is too much of a nice guy human rights and yeah. then you can't back it up yeah so yeah it's acknowledgement that some of those problems are some things that would be very hard to fix but actually they don't really have the attributes to fix it and that's partly the electorate's fault for thinking they need a nice guy in response to Nixon yeah. and it's actually probably a bit more in the middle, it's a bit of both yeah, right, very good, you know, you've know, you balanced that and you've made your argument, you've made your judgement, that's, that's pretty good to be honest, Yeah. which leads us on to the bigger question at the end of every podcast which I think it's only me and you who, who listen to this bit, but yeah, Ford and Carter are coming round for dinner great wonderful both of them are there obviously you know car is a peanut farmer so you can't serve anything with peanuts i'm going to take that out of the game that would be an obvious victory no no they're both coming around for tea you've got two sets of biscuits go okay so for ford um a garibaldi why because he's bald and it would be a small dig okay good he'll probably fall over with the biscuits yeah and I wouldn't have any more to give him. I'd be like, right, well, that's your lot. Yeah, exactly. But he'll probably fall through the window and run away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, Carter. For Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, pink wafer. No, we've had pink wafer. Move Who on. did we give a pink... We compared him against a pink oh, wafer. Oh, yeah. I would...
would say, um, oh, do you know those Fox's triple biscuits? No, but they they're like golden delicious. buttery biscuit. You're dribbling with chocolate in the middle. Oh yeah, they're nice. Um, Why are because, you giving him that? Because he's lovely, and I think you know he's had he's a an hard old man time as well. And and a lovely what? old guy. So I think. He is. Oh, so little... you're having old Carter? Yes, and I think it would be a lovely day. You and Carter spending the day together. Oh, I've told the Ford, you've built all your biscuits. You can go home now. You've built all your biscuits. You've built all your biscuits. Oh, right. You probably would. Um, right, on that note, I think we're done and dusted on Ford and Carter until we do our next foreign policy one. So Whenever that will be. Whenever that will be. So thank you for listening and see thank you, you very much. soon. Bye. Bye.